Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. Now, let's enjoy this week's message. I want to talk to you from a message I'm calling Offended But Not Upended. Offended But Not Upended. So this passage of scripture that we read just a moment ago that I read to start off with, it might not have meant anything to you, but but just real quick, the the quick version set up, it says David has approached Baharim, a man from the same clan as Saul's family. That's important to understand. We're going to meet this man named Shimei, and he was a part of Saul, King Saul's family. And and this Shimei comes out, and he begins pelting David with rocks and cursing at him. Why? Because David and his family and his team of leaders leaders, his, his army, his commanders, he even has a group of guys that would be like the Green Berets. They, they're being run out of the palace because David's son Absalom is mounting an insurrection to try to take over the kingdom from David. That's where we're going this morning. This Shimei is cursing at David. He's throwing rocks at him, at his family, and those around him. We're going to see what David does. As I say that, ask yourself this question. How offended would you be if you're the king and this nobody is throwing rocks and cursing at you while you're in this moment of pressure with everyone around you? How offended would you be? Probably very. Before we go into the story, let me introduce a few characters, a few names that you're going to need to know. So there's King David. If you've been around church, you know who King David is. I won't take a lot of time, but, but King David, you know, the same little boy David that defeated Goliath with a slingshot, same David that King Saul, his predecessor, chased him through the mountains and the caves, and, and he threw spears at him, tried to pin him to the wall because he was jealous of him, all of those things. David survived King Saul. Same King David is the David we're talking about now. There's King Saul. You're going to need to know who that is. David's predecessor, the first king of Israel, and he had gone crazy, lost his mind, and he was jealous over David, all of those things. There's a man named Shimei. Everybody say Shimei. I want you to remember that name. Probably not one that you're all that familiar with, but Shimei, what we just read said he was was a relative of King Saul. He is a relative. He's the one who's giving David a fit right now. We'll come back to him. Um, What Shimei is doing, if you continue reading, this isn't in your outline, it's not going to be on the screen, but just listen to this. It says, he pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. Now, if you get this picture, it's a picture of the king who who knows that the person who's trying to overthrow the palace is coming into the palace. He's called his wife, his family, all of the people around him, his troops who are still with him, and his green beret, his special guard. He's called all of them, said, let's get out of here. We got to go. They're going to kill us if we don't go now. They're making their way out, and this Shimei is now throwing throwing rocks at him, cursing at him. Um, As he cursed, Shimei said, get out, get out, you man of blood, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, the former king, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has handed the kingdom over to your son Absalom. You have come to ruin because you are a man of blood. We'll come back to that in just a moment. One more name you need to know is Abishai. And Abishai is one of the leaders of the king of, of King David's commanders. So it talks about his commanders, talks about his troops, but his commanders, that's like his, his green beret. And this Abishai is leading that group. He would have led the men into battle. So 
Here's where we begin. Um, King David was one of the most powerful men in the world at the time. And now he's coming under attack from his own son. Um, on this night when he's deciding to flee because it becomes apparent that Absalom is trying to take over the throne and now his son Absalom has gained the favor of all the people, he knows that, that, that they're, they're going to run him out. They're going to kill him. We've got to go. So he starts taking them out and the Shimei begins to curse at him, begins to throw rocks at him. Can you even imagine? I mean, David is already under pressure. How many of y'all know what it's like to be under pressure? right? You already got your hands full. You're already at your wits end. And now this dude is cursing at you, embarrassing you, throwing rocks at you. And not only at you, he's throwing rocks at your family, literal rocks, throwing rocks at your troops. Everybody's looking at you like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What would you do in that moment? Hmm. Well, what does David do? I want to show you three things that David did. And in the terms of unoffendable, I want you to pay special Pay special, there it is, that's better. Pay special attention to three things that David did in this story. Here's number one. God might be working even when you don't understand. God might be working in a situation in your life even when you don't understand. If we go back to 2 Samuel 16, starting at verse 9, then Abishai, remember who Abishai is now. This is the leader of the Green Beret, the leader of the guard. The son of Zeruiah said to the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. Easy there, big boy, easy. But the king said, what do you and I have in common, you sons of Zeruiah? If he is cursing because the Lord said to him, curse David, who can ask, why do you do this? Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. It may be that the Lord will see my distress and repay me with good for the cursing I am receiving today. Now, I heard an amen and a hallelujah. Some of y'all are back there rolling your eyes thinking, mm-hmm, I'm with the brother that wants to cut his head off. Come on. That's probably more what we would lean towards. Go out of the story just a minute. Let me ask you a, second, a secondary question. Let me ask you this question. What would you do if you realized in a moment that you were the most powerful person in the room, what do you do when you realize you're the most powerful person in the room? This is going to come back to David in just a moment. I want you to listen to an account of Jesus from John 13. We'll connect these dots. It says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So we're in the upper room now. Jesus is meeting with his disciples. Jesus knew that the Father had given him all power. He's the most powerful person in the room. He knew that he had come from God. He's returning to God. And then verse 4, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. Verse 5, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Y'all, i got to tell you something. If you said yes to following Jesus because you just wanted it to get you out of going to hell for eternity, I mean, okay, there is that part of it. But if you really signed up to follow Jesus with the intention of learning to live the way that Jesus lived, you got to know it's not going to be easy. You got to know that it's not going to be about you. Everything is about the Father and what he wants to do in you and through you. When you sacrifice, when you don't do everything that's available to you, but you stay focused on what God wants you to do, God always honors that. 
God always works in that. God can do more through you than you can do through yourself. What do you do when you look up and you realize you're the most powerful person in the room? What did Jesus do? He got up from the table. He wrapped an apron around himself, poured a pitcher of water, and washed their nasty, stanky, jacked-up toe feet in that moment. Go back to the story. Go back to the story. David was already under intense pressure with Absalom. He's got his hands full. Does he need this man cursing at him and throwing rocks and hurting his family and embarrassing him? Does he need that right now? What's the simple thing to do? Get him, Abishai. I don't have time for this. Instead of saying, sick him, what did David do? Instead of saying, sick him, he says to Abishai, don't kill him. He was able to stop in the moment and say, yeah, I got this big thing going on, but how am I going to deal with this other thing? And I don't think most of us have developed this yet. It's why we're so offended. It's why we're dealing with the offenses that happen to us. Remember, the title of this message is Offended But Not Upended. It's impossible to not be offended, y'all. Was David offended by this man? Absolutely. Was he going to live an offendable life? No, he was not because he knew of the God. So, he, so he's got this whole Absalom thing going on, but he stops for a minute and he says to Abishai, no, don't kill him. This thing that God's doing right now, maybe God has allowed this man to come into my life. Maybe God's allowed him to curse me for a reason. Wow, that's way more mature than I am, y'all. That is way more mature than I am. But can I ask you a question? What's God doing in your life? Who's that person in your life right now that is an offense to you. You're offended that they're even in your world right now. And they're constantly a thorn in your side. For some of you in this room right now, there are some of you here today who have the power. You have the ability to absolutely squash that person that is causing you great offense. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Um, huh, Interesting. What did David do? He did the same thing Jesus did. Showed mercy, showed grace, showed patience. He kept his head and he didn't make a decision that would destroy him down the road. Let's go to the second thing. God might work it out if you will just trust him. God might work out your situation if you'll just trust him. So as we go back into the story now, when we left the story just a moment ago, David and his crews leaving the palace, they're on the run. Absalom and all of his people are beginning to take over the palace. And so, so this man's cursing at him, throwing rocks. David and his crews leaving, getting out of there. And Absalom tells his crew, they're on the run. Let's catch them. Let's go get them. Let's, let's kill them right now. So Absalom begins to give chase. And he's part of the group that's giving chase to David. And as they begin to give chase, the tables begin to turn. And Abishai, the leader of the guard, knows that Absalom is out there. I won't go through the whole story. But in the end, Absalom, the one who's trying to overtake the throne, is eventually killed in the process of this whole thing. After he's killed, David and his, his crew, they turn around and they're going to start coming back into the city. Well, you know what that is? That's a whole problem for a man named Shimei. That whole cursing that he just gave the king, uh-oh. Mike should have thought about that before I cussed the king and threw rocks at him. Before I said all that stuff about his mama and his son and his past. 2 Samuel 19, so this is three chapters down, when Shimei, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan. In other words, David's coming. Shimei goes to meet David. He crosses over the Jordan before David gets there, coming back into the city. 
Shimei crossed the Jordan. He fell prostrate before the king on his absolute face, y'all, and said to him, may my Lord not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord the king left Jerusalem. May the king just put it out of your mind. Forget that that little thing between us ever happened. For I, your servant, know that I have sinned, but today I have come here as the first of the whole house of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord the king. Shimei had been so angry at David, so mad at him, that when he saw David down on his luck, he thought, this is my opportunity, I'm gonna get him. I'm gonna get him, I'm gonna make him pay right here, curse at him, throw rocks. Why would he do this? The reason that Shimei did this, if you go back to the original verses that we read, the reason Shimei was doing this was because, remember now, Shimei was a relative of King Saul, the former king. Shimei was convinced that David had killed Saul or had Saul killed, but nothing could be further from the truth. He was convinced. What does that do to Shimei? Now I'm in favor with the king. Oh, wait a minute. Now my cousin, my uncle, my, my brother, whatever, is not the king. Where does that leave me? He's upset that he lost his position. Well, there's a couple of things that I see in all of this. Two things that I see. Number one, this isn't in your notes, but number one, I want you to take hold of this. It's a principle that says a lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. Let me say that again. A lie believed as truth will affect you as if it were true. In other words, Shimei believed that David had killed Saul. David did not kill Saul. As a matter of fact, Saul had gone out into the battle. He was wounded. And rather than dying at the sword of the enemy, he decided to fall on his own sword, essentially committing suicide on the field of battle. And David had made every effort not to harm him because David saw him as God's anointed man. But Shimei believed that, that what David had done was wrong. How does that, uh, how does that, how does that matter to us? I wonder if that person who's so mad at you, so offended at you, could it be that they believed a lie about you? Could it believe that, that, that they're buying into a narrative that just is not true? There are some people who believe things about you that's not true because they've become convinced. How are we as Christians, followers of Jesus? Philippians 2 says he humbled himself even to the point of death on a cross to die for us. Do we have to swing at every pitch that comes across the plate at us? Or can we realize that a lie believed is truth will affect you as if it were true. That's one thing I want you to see in Shimei. Second thing I want you to see in Shimei, and I, I wanna make, let me see your eyeballs right now. I wanna make sure every person in here gets this. This is important. There's always a hurt. There's always a hurt. When someone's coming after you and attacking you and throwing rocks at you and cursing you or talking bad about you or posting ugly things about you on Facebook or you know those little, those little things that they post on Facebook that they don't say nobody's name and I would never, I, I would ne I'm a Christian, I would never talk about and everybody in the world knows they're talking about you, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, that's just me, okay, cool, maybe God bless you. There's always a hurt behind what someone's doing to you. Do you understand this? Like when someone's coming after you, something has happened to them. Something has happened to them. And if you look deeply enough, you'll find out what the hurt was. Who is it in your life that's been hurting you? Why are they doing that? I heard a story one time about, about this mother who was a, a, a mother who had a grown daughter that passed away. And this mother that lost her grown daughter 
was so hurt and so, so broken because of losing her daughter. And so she saw her son, former son-in-law and she thought he was just going on with his life. And so she decided that, that, that it looks like he's doing well, even though she had no idea what he was going through. And she, she decided, well, well, I'm here miserable. I'm hurting. Looks like he's doing okay. So I want him to be miserable too. She later told him, I was hurt because it looked like you were doing okay and I wanted you to hurt as badly as I hurt. That's always a hurt. In some of your lives right now, there's somebody that you don't understand what's going on. Why are they doing this to me? And it really isn't about you. It's about them. But when we're willing to say, God, I don't understand this, but I'm going to trust you to work this out. When we don't take matters into our own hands, when we don't say, okay, Abishai, sick them. Even when we have the power, we allow God to work it out. Guess what happens? He gets the glory, he works it out, and everything comes back around. Somebody say amen to that. One more thing. God might use someone else to vindicate you. God might use someone else to vindicate you. Many years later in this story, King David is at the end of his life. He's going to his deathbed. He's beginning to decide he had lots of wives, lots of concubines, lots of children. He had to decide who was going to be the next king of Israel. And so he calls in his son Solomon. He tells Solomon, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And so he has some instructions that he has to give to Solomon. And so in the instructions that he gives to Solomon, look at what he says. 1 Kings 2 verses 8 and 9. David talking to his son who would become the next king. He says, he says, remember, you have with you Shimei, son of Jerah, the Benjamite from Bahurim, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Mahanaim. When he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. Verse 9, but now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom. You will know what to do with him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. He told his son, I didn't kill him, but you can. It's up to you. Guess what Solomon did? Guess what Sol Solomon was so wise, he put this whole matter in Shimei's hand. He called Shimei in. As soon as David dies, Solomon becomes king. He starts dealing with people. And he calls Shimei in. And Solomon's already had some people put to death because of things that they had done to his dad. He calls Shimei in. He says, all right, you know what you did. And my dad didn't kill you. And I'm not going to kill you either if, he said, you can stay living, but you can never leave the city. The day you leave this city, you will die. Well, Shimei said, okay, 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 sounds good, sounds good. And then a thing happens, and he, 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 he feels like that, that he's got to leave. There's this thing happening in another city, and he decides, well, I've got to go. And so he goes. And y'all know those little birdies, they talk, don't they? Word gets back to the king. Hey, Shimei, he, he's left the city. Shimei comes back home, guess who's waiting on him? Solomon and a sword. And Solomon was good to his word, and Solomon put him to death right there. What does that tell us? God has a way of working things out. God has a way of working things out. David, if David had killed Shimei at that time, he would have been sinning because he would have been doing it out of anger out of frustration, it, it would have all been a very sinful thing and it would have affected the way that people saw him and his kingship. 
But Solomon, because he gave this man the chance, he put it in the man's hand and the man violated him, Solomon only enacted justice in what he did to the man. Why I bring all of that up is because God wants us to know this morning that we don't have to take everything into our own hands. When people offend us, we can allow God to work those things out. Just three things real quick, as I, and I'll say this really quick just to wrap everything up, summarizing what we've said. Number one, ask God, what would you have me do in this situation? Simply ask God that question. I don't think most of us take enough time to slow down and say, God, what would you have me to do? We see the issue and then we jump in. Number two, trust God. Respond, don't react. I'm going to say that slowly. Respond, don't react. Reaction for David would have been said, yes, Abishai, he's on my nerves. I don't have anything to do with him. He's just a flea. Get rid of him. But instead, David responded. He took time to let the Holy Spirit of God show him a better way. And instead of getting everything jammed up, he responded rather than reacting. Look at how it worked out. Number three, watch God. Watch what God is doing. He can use someone else or some other set of circumstances to make things right for you. You know, Shimei was a jerk to King David. He really was a jerk. And he hit David at a low moment. But notice what happened. David might have been offended, but if he had chosen to be offended, he would have become upended. It would have thrown him out of sorts. It would have messed up his, his opportunity in the future. It would have messed up his relationship with God, and he was wise enough not to step into that. Today, God is telling some of you the same thing. God's bringing circumstances and people's names into your mind right now, and he's showing you that the better thing for you to do is to not become offended, to not let the circumstance Rip everything that God has for you away from you. Some of you have the power to overtake those who are offending you. But just because you can doesn't mean you should. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes right there? For those of you this morning that call yourself a Christian, a follower of Jesus, I just want to remind you that as followers of Jesus, we should be becoming more like him. The truth of it is we no longer have the right to act out of what we want to do. We have to follow Jesus because he's purchased us. He is our Lord. He's our King. And so for those of you who are followers of Jesus, if this is at all speaking to your heart and showing you things that need to change, this is your moment to make a commitment to God and ask him to forgive you, ask him to give you clarity, ask him to help you to develop everything that you need to keep from being upended. God can change your heart and he can do it in a moment. God can give you clarity. If you were to decide in this moment to stop being so quick-tempered, so short with everyone, so slow to come to God and ask him for help, he'll do that for you. Father, right now, I pray over this congregation. I thank you for this good word that you've given us, Lord. I thank you for the story of Shimei and David and Solomon and Abishai, King Saul, all of them, God. Lord, I thank you for bringing this to us right now during this time of unoffendable. Lord, as your church, God, we want to be people who care about each other. Lord, as your church, we want to be people who are connected to one another. And God, if we're going to care and if we're going to be connected, we've got to be able to overlook some things. We've got to be able to bear one another's burdens. God, you've given us a vision for a new church, a church where we really do love each other. 
where we really do care for each other, where we really do connect with each other. I pray this morning that you will help us to grow into these things so that we can represent you beautifully. Now, as you continue to pray, I wonder this morning if there's anyone here today who would say, man, I, I want to have all of this that God has for me, but I don't know how. I would say to you that you can take hold of everything, but just like these who stepped into the waters of baptism, it has to start with a decision. And the decision that God's putting before you right now is a decision to accept him, not just to save you from your sins, but a decision to accept him to be the Lord of your life. And so right now, if you know that you've been doing it your way and your ways cause trouble for you over and over, you've been doing it your way and it's not worked out, but you know that the Holy Spirit of God, that voice has been speaking to you and you need to give your life to Jesus and begin your life with Christ. This is your invitation. This is your opportunity. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I'm not going to ask you to stand up or come forward. But this morning, if you want to say yes to Jesus and give him your life and begin your walk with him right now, would you just raise your hand and say, Jeff, I, I want Jesus. I want him to save me. Amen. Praise God. I see that hand on the side there. I see a second hand and a third hand and a fourth hand. My God, thank you, Lord. And a fifth hand in the back. I see you there. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. I see six and seven over here on the side. My God. If you want to take hold of what God has for you, just like these seven people who have raised their hand, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. From your heart to God, just begin to talk to him. You don't have to say this out loud, but in your heart, in your mind, talk to God and tell him, God, I need you. God, I, I know I'm a sinner. You know I'm a sinner. But you've told me that you will forgive me. And I'm trusting you to do that. I'm placing my faith in what you did on the cross, Jesus. You gave your life for me. Now I give you my life. I'm asking you to forgive my sins, to make me new, to save me. Lord, as I give you my life, I ask you, Jesus, to be my Lord, to be my direction, to be my guide, to be my protector, to be my everything. Jesus, I want to know you. I want to grow close to you. And I want my life to look like yours. Today, I accept you, my King, as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast presented by Compassion Church. For more information on service times and location, please visit CompassionDanville.com. 